Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And uh, a good morning to you on this, uh, is this the final Monday of March? Good riddance, March. Just saying. God almighty. And uh, did I say that twice? I'm in a prayerful mood. Uh, actually, I'm in a more hopeful mood. And you know what's made me hopeful? The kids. Really, something's happening. Something's happening here. But it is ain't exactly clear. Happening again, young people leading. Just as in many ways they always have. Uh, because the so-called leaders, <laughs> those guys in Washington, they don't lead anymore. And so they have to be pushed. And I think they were given a nice big shove uh, Saturday. And I think it's pretty clear that these young people ain't going away. And the neatest thing about it is that they are focused on getting something done. And the fact that every day another few thousand of them turn 18 ready to vote and maybe the most important thing that was happening at the marches that occurred all over the country on Saturday was the fact that voter registration these kids were being signed up and if you look at who votes it's the old farts that vote people like me we vote oh my god we vote it's part of why the country's so messed up young people don't vote they haven't been voting. I got a real sneaking suspicion that voting for young people in this country is going to be a thing. They are organizing. If, if peer pressure is that the coolest thing you can do is vote and that you can't, we can have power, that voting demographic is huge. And if it becomes organized, which I suspect we are seeing happen, uh, the opportunities for change in this country, for ridding ourselves of the ossification and uh, stasis that has gripped this country for so long, this sense that we, the adults, have of sort of hopeless cynicism and despair, uh, all of that can be helped so much by an injection of energy, spirit, commitment, and youth. And it's happening. It's very real. And I'm just thrilled. I am just thrilled. And what I want to say, again, I'm going to end up quoting some 60s song, is, you know, get out of the way. Get out of the way if you can't lend a hand because the times, they are a-changing. Get out of the way. You know, it's sort of like mansplaining. I think a lot of men are starting to bite their tongues a little bit, I hope. And I think it's time for adults, male and female, to bite their tongues a little bit more. We didn't get it done, did we? Did we? No, we did not. Give the kids a shot. Give the kids a shot. I am so impressed by some of these kids. Jeez. Wow. I don't think that I've... Next to Dr. King's speech... <laughs> Uh, I have a dream. I don't know that I've seen a more powerful moment than that which Emma Gonzalez created. And if you haven't seen it, please take the time. 
I'm sure you've heard about it. I don't want to waste time talking about something that you, you saw, but this is one of the Parkland students who has become a leader of this movement, and she named the names of her slaughtered classmates and then talked about the things that they will never do again. Never, 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 never. And then she just stopped. When I'd heard about it, I thought she must have prefaced it by saying it took just six minutes for all of those wondrous beings to be destroyed. Six minutes. Imagine that. Six minutes. Let's imagine it. You know, But she didn't do that. She just stopped. The courage to do that in front of a crowd of almost a million standing there in the open air, she stopped and just stared at something in the distance with a just looking at her face was amazing. And a crowd is an organism, right? And so faced with something so unseen, unexperienced, namely that a speaker up there speaking to a crowd of hundreds of thousands of passionate people simply go silent. You could, you could sense the, almost the awkwardness in the, in the crowd, the like, what, like what's happening some people just, you could tell, got right into it. Others became so unnerved because I don't think in our culture anything is more unnerving, especially for young people, than silence. Because, I think I've said this before, we don't get any. And a lot of people, especially young people, I'll use my own son as an example, I don't think they can tolerate it. There's, they've grown up in a time when there's constant input. And here was just silence. And so some people misunderstanding or not knowing and uncomfortable by began to shout out from the crowd, Emma! Emma, you know, as if she needed, she had stopped because she could. And, and there were efforts to, like, you know, buttress her. She didn't need that. She just kept staring straight ahead. And then the crowd would grow quiet again. And then someone else would shout out unable to bear <laughs> the silence, thinking something certainly must be wrong. And then at one point a chant starts up. And that got some legs. And a chant and a chant, and she didn't move. The only thing that was moving were the tears coursing down her cheeks. And even that chant died. And I haven't heard anybody explain that towards the end of this silence, some adult from the sidelines on the stage came over to her and whispered something in her ear probably something like, are you okay, or you better get going, or you're losing, you know, who knows? I don't think it was helpful. 
And it was obviously somebody who also wasn't in the moment. And she didn't flinch. And he withdrew. And she continued. And then an alarm on her phone went off. And that was the end. And she looked up and said, and now he's running from the... She she put you in that moment. I have never seen anything so eloquent. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So eloquent. Silence. The silence of the grave. The silence of the obliteration of those 17 wondrous young souls. There is only silence for them. Surely we can tolerate standing. It wasn't even six minutes. Quiet. Silence is verboten on television and radio. In fact, it's called, there's a name for it, it's called dead air. Ha, <laughs> ha. Perfect, huh? Because that's what she was mandating. Dead air. In remembrance of the dead. And in an attempt to show how these lethal weapons can wipe out so many. in such a blink. I feel um, I am so comforted by getting to see and listen to these young Americans. You know, we denigrate them all the time. Look at them. They're this, they're that. They're all in the social media. Critical, 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 critical. Look at them. I got to tell you something. The NRA, I'm telling you, they're nervous. They're scared. These kids got them scared. Finally, they're scared. Politicians, they're scared. Something's happening here. The kids have taken it because the adults were paralyzed. Now, I don't want to you know, suggest that kids always have the answers. That's certainly not true. <laughs> but man, in this case, they have brought eloquence, sanity, good sense, and I'm just blown away by their maturity. I mean, I, I if as a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old, an 18-year-old, I never would have had the capacity to be so articulate and sober and see the whole picture and be politically adept because they have been. And the efforts of some adults who are afraid of this power they are seeing coalescing in the country that they turn on these kids, some of the stuff on the internet aimed at her, Emma Gonzalez, aimed at 
other leaders of the Parkland students is just so unbelievably vile that it's it's hard to it's hard to even look at um the signs that they carry my god one wondrous sign after another the one i love so much is because absolutists about the constitution and the founding fathers act as though we have never as a nation decided that the constitution as it was written doesn't work anymore what do you think an amendment is <laughs> even right after they wrote a constitution the founding father said whoops right and they came up with 10 amendments and after those 10 amendments there was an 11th and a 12th and a 13th and 14th and 15th right because things change and things written in the 1700s a time quite unlike our own in so many ways albeit humans are quite the same but so much has changed around us and the way we live our lives and the tools available to us and so the Constitution has within it a recipe of how you change it through amendment and I thought the greatest sign I saw reminding the Second Amendment absolutists about the fact that the Second Amendment is itself a change in the original Constitution it is amended to it The greatest one I saw was this. The Second Amendment was written. This is carried by a, a black boy. The Second Amendment was written when a black person counted as three-fifths of a person. Things change. So when people are apt to bow and grovel and intone, but the founding fathers, let us recall they were men, white men, white landowning men of their time, who in their brilliance agreed that black people were not whole. They would count as three-fifths of a human being. In their brilliance, most Americans were not allowed to vote. Right? Slavery was okay. Things change. There is no way that the Founding Fathers, if they were alive today, would not amend the hell out of that Second Amendment. I was talking about how some of these kids have been attacked and lied about one of the most repulsive things that, and stupidest things that was said over the weekend that was said the day after we witnessed this amazing outpouring all over the country of young people was from a guy I know 
a guy you know, maybe not quite as well as I know, a guy who once supposedly represented us in Washington, D.C., as a senator, Rick Santorum. And he, on a Sunday show, said, criticizing these kids, said, how about kids, instead of looking to someone else to solve your problem, do something about maybe taking CPR classes or trying to deal with situations where there is a violent shooter. And you can actually respond to that. Has, he has said so many stupid things in his uh, public life, but this one might, might eclipse them all. First of all, how about looking to someone else to solve your problems? They are looking to the very people that our system of government tells them to look to. They are beseeching their representatives to do their jobs. That is exactly what a citizen, a good citizen, would do. And he's criticizing. What? Hey, Rick, they are incapable of passing their own laws, okay? If you want to change things, you've got to ask the people who have the power to change it. And then learn CPR. If somebody has been shot by one of these bullets that literally rip their organs apart, that pulverize their bones, they are bleeding. CPR doesn't do a damn thing about bleeding. CPR is not what you do to a gunshot victim. <laughs> it's what you do to somebody who's in cardiac arrest. They should learn CPR, Rick. Wow. So his response is they should learn how to do something after the carnage. Their attempt is to prevent the carnage. They are so far ahead of him and those that now hold the position he held. They speak with a clarity that our leaders do not, with a sincerity that our leaders do not. Wow. And the fact that there is this march going on in my home state of Wisconsin uh, gives me hope, too, that they're not going to drop this. The kids are are really not dropping this. If you hadn't heard, there are uh, students uh, in Wisconsin who started to march from the state capital of Madison, and they are marching to Janesville, Wisconsin, which is the hometown of the Speaker of the House, Mr. Ryan. That's about 50 miles from Madison. So they're calling the march 50 miles more. And they're marching. And if you look at American history, we've seen this before. Young people marching. And these kids are lucky because they're not going to be met with water cannons and flesh-tearing German shepherds. 
But as they're marching, I'm willing to bet you they will pick up, just as the march on Selma did, they will pick up marchers on their way. And maybe they'll beget other marches around the country. This is all good. I want to get to the emails we got here. Yeah, Barbara sent me um, this repulsive uh, Facebook thing that a Republican representative from Ohio, the loathsome Steve King, uh, put up. And in it, of all things, he has a picture of Emma Gonzalez from Saturday in her silence. And Emma Gonzalez is, I guess her parents were, she's of Cuban, Cuban heritage. And on the jacket she was wearing, she had lots of patches, and one was a Cuban flag because of her Cuban heritage. And this despicable Stephen King, not the author, put her picture up and said this. This is how you look when you claim Cuban heritage, yet don't speak Spanish. And ignore the fact that your ancestors fled the island when the dictatorship turned Cuba into a prison camp after removing all weapons from its citizens, hence their right to self-defense. Bree says that he saw a sign saying there was no gun shop in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Huh. No. By the way, I was with uh, Joanne Rogers, Mr. Rogers' widow, um, this weekend. And um, I, I, she's so busy because this is the 50th anniversary of uh, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And I, I said, I hate to ask you, Joanne, but would you maybe come on the show, and she said, I'd love to. So we, we'll, we'll have Joanne here uh, soon. I know some of you had wanted her here, and I finally uh, got the courage to ask, because I really don't. I mean, I know how she is beset and besieged, <laughs> uh, and especially now, you know. And she's 90 years old, okay? So... Uh, But she, she did say she would love to. Um, Kathleen says, you are speaking for me, Lynn. Excellent commentary. Thank you. I love these strong, intelligent, compassionate young people. They give me hope, a thing that I thought was gone in me. Thanks for reminding us of what's going on here. Well, I mean, it's fairly obvious, isn't it? Uh... I was not in attendance, says Mary, at our Pittsburgh march, but a girlfriend of mine was there and snapped this picture, oh God, of a man in the crowd with an assault weapon, open carrying, proud, there he is. My God. There was a similar guy in uh, Greensburg, and they had something on Friday night, and there was a guy standing there with his AK. 40, whatever the hell they are. And um, the police apparently, according to Mary, surrounded this guy. And the police said to her friend they were protecting him as well as the marchers. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, well, you know, because of our brilliant leaders in this country, that idiot has the right to have that weapon of war, and he has the right to carry it 
openly when people are peacefully marching. And he has the right to uh, attempt to intimidate them because who knows if he might be a crazy guy willing to mow a few of these jerks down before the police take him out. Who knows? We don't know. Because it's that easy to get one of these weapons. And uh, we've got a call. Caller, hi. Hi, Lynn. It's Mary in Marysville. Hi. I have a question about Rick Santorum. <laughs> yeah. It's 2018. How does he get on CNN? I don't know. He hasn't know. been anybody for years. Well, my... my, uh, my I would write CNN. I think. Um, I, I think. Am. I'm going to call them because yeah. I'm a mother of a school victim, and I've had yes. it. I've had yes. it with these clowns. Right. There is no way. You know, they want to appear to be uh, even-handed, so they ha- need Republican types to talk. But well, he is. I mean, I, I'm sorry. His history of just revolting statements is is it's so egregious that surely they can find somebody better. They don't need a statement from them. Their message is out there. In 1940s Germany, the Nazis didn't make statements. They just put it out on their own. Nobody, you know, they they were so despicable, nobody wanted to talk to them. I hear you. Well, right, call them. You know what I'm saying? I was thinking of of letting them know, too. I think... uh, They blame everything that doesn't have a, a lobbyist behind it. You know, a broken home, their religious, their mental illness... Every, they make it pers- a personal problem when it's a societal problem, right. and there's something we have to do. Okay. Hey, thanks, Mary. appreciate it. All right. I fine. do. Okay. Got a lot of callers, so let's uh, get to you. Caller, go ahead, please. Hey, Lynn, it's Mike in D.C. Hi, Mike. I think that Centaurum was there because the NRA couldn't convince anybody else to go, <laughs> and that was the highest ring of echelon they could convince someone to risk their career to go and tear down children. And I'm no PR expert, but let me tell you, they looked terrible tearing down teenagers. Yeah. They terrible. Look reprehensible. I mean, there's not even, there's no defense, none. And the optics of the march was fascinating. When I, I didn't go, um, but when I watched it on TV, every other speaker almost was African American. Yes. And I was like, excellent. And every person was like under 20. I was like, right. excellent. And the people they had sing were, you know, in their demographic, like the optics was brilliant. Perfect. Spot on. Brilliant. And I want to say, you agree? how brilliant was it not to let any adults speak? This was the children's march. Let them speak because, in fact, we are now looking to them. The adults have had their shot and have proven to be totally inept. Inept. And, and you know, shut them up. And you know that the organizers had Nancy Pelosi call them and saying, what time am I going to speak? <laughs> and they had to say no to Nancy Pelosi. They yeah. had to say no to Joe Biden. They right. had to say no to all of them. You know, and I really it wish that, like, the organizers here... Um, it's easy to see, in retrospect, had realized the same thing. Thank you, Mayor Peduto. We appreciate your support, but we want we want only young people to speak. This is our march. I'm sick of the politicians. They've done nothing. So I absolutely agree with you. They're afraid, and you know what? These kids aren't afraid. No, it's Maybe just they're naive, but yeah, they're not afraid. God bless their naivete, because it's just it's mind blowing. Listen, I, have, I am deluged with calls, so I'm going to let you go, Mike. Well, just one thing. The best poster I saw was, leave the gun, take the cannoli. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Uh, I also saw one that I loved about something about how a, a girl was carrying and saying, my uterus is more regulated than, you know, AK-47. It's true. True. Caller, go ahead, please. Caller, hello. Uh, yes, Lynn. I just wanted to, maybe someone already pointed this out, but aren't Rick Santorum's kids all homeschooled? Are they in a public school system? No, they're homeschooled. Okay, so here's my point. 
let's put Rick Santorum's kids in the public schools and let his kids have to learn how to do CPR on people who have been shot up that isn't even an appropriate medical response. Okay. You know, he's out of touch. Well, of he course he's out of touch. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. His children, I'm sure, are also out of school by now, too. So They're, out, they're, they're not involved in that. He hasn't a clue. No. And it, it just is, it's these kids, you said, you know, a caller had said, these kids are unfearful to stand up. They have so much fear in them by having to be in that school. It's propelling them to get out there and speak. They have already, that's right, they have already endured the unspeakable. They have endured and known more terror and loss than I have. And I'm an old lady, right? right? Me too, me too. So in many respects, they are wizened veterans. Yeah. They are. You know, they, they have something worse ahead of them with going to school and fearing it than standing up and doing these marches. This is what's giving them the energy, and shame on Rick Santorum. I agree. But that's all I had to say. Thank you. Thank it's you. wonderful. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Do we have another another caller? Hello, caller. Go ahead, please. Hi. You're up. You're up. You're on. Go ahead. Okay. Hi, this is uh, uh, Lynn. This is uh, David D'Angelo, Two Political Talks. Oh, oh, okay. Hey, David. How you doing? Okay, how are you? Fine. I was just I, I was watching the show. I just want to say I, I thought the um, Emma Gonzalez's speech was was amazing. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. But the 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 weirdest response I ever saw uh, about this was on Fox News, where some guy was complaining, "Oh, these kids are acting as if they're bulletproof," which I thought was a really bizarre metaphor to use. What does he mean? What did that even mean? I have no idea. I, I have no idea. It was just your basic stupid uh, Fox News stuff. Oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he said they're, they're acting like they're, they're bulletproof. Oh, so, oh. Well, obviously not, you know. Uh, oh, what a disgusting. I mean, even if he didn't mean it, the pun, um, but he, it's unbelievable. First of all, it's, yeah, a nons- yeah, it's, it's, it's nonsensical. It's stupid and it's tone deaf and it's, it's part oh. of the course for, uh, for Fox News. Oh, my God. Well, thank you, David. Appreciate the call. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. Oh, <laughs> anytime. Anytime. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. This is David D'Angelo. has got a great uh, blog, Two Political Junkies. Um, wow. Well, that was, histor- that was a historic flurry of calls, I must say. That, that was for this iteration of this uh, program. Um, I, I did want to say, just to bring us down to, because I said, you know, I'll follow the children in this regard, but, you know, let's, we don't want to lose our heads. It turns out, you know, the New York Times every once in a while now puts out in its Sunday edition a, uh, a section for kids, and it's only for kids. It's a new section for kids. And they have a page um, of uh, where they ask kids um, what they think, um, you know, give, give us our, your opinion of something that you want to see changed. And um, in this case, it was a bunch of fourth graders, so they're nine and ten years old. And I, I was reading them, and generally they're pretty good, but I just want to show you that children don't always uh, have the right ideas. I, I just thought we just, you know, just add a note because here's um, here's Reagan Rahala, who's taking things a little too far. She's nine years old, and she says. Kids should have the same rights as grown-ups, like getting to go to sleep when they want to and eat what they want and stuff like that. Parents won't do it, though, so we should ask the government. Uh, Reagan, sweetie, I got to tell you, no, they ain't going to help you, dearie. And here's one more. Libby Miller, age 10. I think kids should have cars. You could split the road, for example. You could put trees or a fence or something to split the grown-ups and the kids. And kids' cars could only go 60 miles per hour. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. You could get your driver's license from your mom or dad. Okay. That was just to add, you know, yes, from the mouths of babes, but. Trying to add some levity, guys. Um, 
Okay, a few things. Uh, I watched Stormy Daniels last night, and I find her extremely articulate and uh, obviously bright and uh, credible and all that kind of stuff, and that's all I have to say. Um, And I do want to say that Trump was forced to do the, uh, in case you hadn't heard, you guys are usually ahead of me, that uh, we have taken some really strong action against the Ruskies. because of their, the poisoning in uh, in Great Britain, and uh, they're trying. The administration is saying that the president was very involved. The president has. D- this is an order from the president. Uh, so just so you know, Donald Trump uh, has ordered the expulsion of 60, 60 Russians uh, from the United States, um, and uh, he joins so belatedly a whole bunch of other countries who have done the same. And they're also uh, closing down the consulate, Russian consulate in Seattle. And the Ruskies got seven days to get the hell out. Fine and dandy. Okay, just ju- just to say. Um, Joellen says, not only did Santorum sound stupid with his CPR remark, he prefaced it by saying these kids want everything done for them when what these kids were doing was the exact opposite. Yeah. They were sick of waiting for people to get this done, so they took action themselves. And Joellen uh, finishes, well, finish your email here with her final three words are, what a douche, just saying. Uh, And Roger writes, I received the below response from Bob Casey about my concern regarding the Electoral College. I asked him why there's no discussion at all about ending it. His response is pretty cut and dried, and that is part of the Constitution. It cannot be changed. It's pretty obvious to me that he's not going to pursue making a change. Well, you see, right there, it's part of the Constitution, and it cannot be changed. Excuse me? Within the Constitution, as I said earlier, is a recipe that the Founding Fathers put in for how you change the Constitution. Thank you very much. Let me just say this, it won't change, and that's because it gives power to a lot of those big, empty, square states in the West and other little teeny states that have only one representative. And it, it, it was an attempt to balance, I guess, anyway, there, there's no way, given the fact that some people love the Electoral College, that it's going to change. Um, So I can't get into all of his. I'll read it later. Okay. Um, Interesting little thing in the Wall Street Journal today, and it was actually on the op-ed page, which I tell you I assiduously avoid, but which I I have to admit, I like, I peek at. I like, you know, I I like go like this and look at the headlines. And I, I saw one headline that stopped me, and I'm glad it did because I actually, uh, went to it. And, um, the headline was, What's Keeping David McCullough from uh, Sleeping? And because David McCullough is someone we all know, we named a bridge after him, for God's sakes, and he's somebody who uh, grew up in the same neighborhood my son grew up in, went to the same school my son went to, and uh, somebody I've interviewed on a number of occasions. I adore him, I love him, and I read all his books, um, or almost all of them. I thought, well, hell, I got why, why is David not sleeping? And it's written by his doctor, a guy named Dr. Thomas Lee, who asked McCullough if he could, asked for permission, because obviously patient-client privilege and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the doctor says the last patient I saw one recent Friday was an 84-year-old man with insomnia. (laughs) Yeah, it was David McCullough. And when the doctor asked him, What's keep, what do you think's going on? Uh, McCullough said, quote, I have to tell you, part of it is worrying about what is happening to our country. And, um, and then the doctor goes on to say how he had once seen an interview uh, before he ever met McCullough uh, uh, that McCullough had done and and he had explained that as a historian, in the stories and the books he writes, well, this is what McCullough said, what I'm trying to do is show readers, especially young readers, 
that things didn't have to turn out as well as they did. I want them to know that life felt every bit as uncertain to people back then as it does to us today. But things did work up work out because individuals behaved in certain ways with integrity and resilience. They figured out how to work with other people and they tried to do the right thing. And my hope is that these stories will inspire my readers to behave the same way in the face of uncertainty in their lives. And McCullough said to his doctor, I'm worried now. I'm worried that our leaders are not doing the right thing. That we are at a time in history in an uncertain time when we are being misled, badly led. And he's not sleeping because he's looking around for people of integrity and courage and he ain't seeing any. Clearly, he's looking at for Republicans because they're the ones in power and they're the ones who can do something. The Democrats have no power. And he says, it appears that he told the doctor that our leaders have forgotten about our history. They are unaware of our past and uninterested in how they will be remembered in the future. And McCullough told his doctor, you know, I doubt that I'm going to be around to write the history of these times, but there are going to be other historians who will. And they're going to be looking. And they're going to be looking who were the people and what did they stand for. And who had the courage to take a stand that was unpopular? Who had even more than courage? The courage of their convictions. That is the pe those are the people that will be the ones worth writing about. And so I'm just telling you that if you, like I, are now somebody with insomnia, because that is one thing I have never had, and I must say that I am now plagued by. We've got really good company. Really good company. And David McCullough is worrying about the same thing we are. But the fact that this great historian is worrying <laughs> is another reason that I'm not going to sleep tonight, is even uh, more worrisome. Oh. Paul says, did you know that the entire Mr. Rogers Neighborhood series is being streamed online on twitch.tv? It has been going on since last Tuesday and will be going on a few more weeks. Wonderful. There is a live chat room with a lot of humor and a lot of love. I've been hooked on it for days. It has brought me so many smiles. It is such a refreshing change from the news. Yeah, I was talking to Joanne about, oh my God, how we're missing him now. But he left us this legacy. He left us this. So, we have a call. Hello, caller. Hello. Hello. Yes, Hi. go ahead. Hi. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Yeah, I agree with that guy about worry. I'm real concerned right now of course i've been a while is the money we're spending on defense and i hate to even go there but uh, it doesn't look good the money we're spending and how we're getting involved in all all these countries have we been doing for a while there's something going to be happening and and it's and then you get this bolton in there which i don't want to go there either but it's just a perfect recipe for disaster well it really is. yeah no i i, I hear you and uh, I just, I mean, they keep saying we got, you know, enemies and we got to defend, we got to build up defense, but we spend more than any country in the world. We got the biggest Navy fleet. We're the biggest in all the weapons and everything. 
and we're running scared. Yeah. We do, but yet we keep yeah. increasing it. I know. It's just, I think it's just going to be the downturn of the country because it's any great empire, they say, it's always wars that take you down. And well, I think that's what's going to take us down. Well, it's not only wars that take you down. It's you rot from the inside. It's not a threat from outside. It is right. interior. <laughs> it's something in us, and we're seeing that threat. And we're, there's a lot of people who are aware of where the real threat lies. But clearly, those people are not in power. <laughs> and the ones in power are still trying to point out there. And that's not where the threat is. The threat is in our own corrupted government and in right. all the, in the division in our country and the lack of leadership. And uh, it's not even from the Russians or the Chinese. No. no. It is, you know, I've seen the enemy, as the old Pogo you know, comic strip said. I've met the enemy and he is us. Yeah, that's it. So I agree with and you. We always have to have an enemy outside. Too. Oh, God knows we do. Thank you. Know, you. Now you take ISIL or whatever ISIS. You don't even hear about it. It was a big thing, at, what, a year ago? or Yeah. Now you don't hear about it. Yeah. Well. It's North Korea. It's always somebody that we're well. going to point our finger to that's going to be a problem. That's right. Look in the mirror. So, There's the problem. And... One other thing, they say about all these countries, oh, can't have a nuke, this one, can't have one. They could get them anytime they want from China or Russia. They don't have to develop nothing. They already probably have them, but we always got to scare people that they're going to get one, which they probably have it already anyway. Well, I think a lot of people in the world, uh, are, are you know, the nuclear power they're most fearful of right now is the United States of America. Yeah, because we're the, ones, we're the ones who are looking frighteningly like somebody who might use the weapon. And uh, I would argue that Trump uh, Bolton uh, is, is, a, is, right, a frightening, frightening pairing. And, uh, yeah, more reason not to sleep at night. Thank you. We're the aggressor if you look in history. And when does Iran ever attack anybody? I mean, other than the wars they've had, not us. I mean, who's invading us? I just, it's amazing. It's just amazing. Yep. It goes on and on and on. But I hear you. Okay. Thank okay. you. Thanks a lot. Bye. Yeah, bye. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, unfortunately, Trump uh, seems to be unleashing um, himself and getting rid of all the people who were supposedly keeping him in check. <laughs> And uh, surrounding himself with people who are every bit as trigger-happy and knee-jerk and impulsive as he. And uh, Pompeo at CIA, Bolton, NSA, I mean, it's just frightening. And um, Bolton is a total loose cannon, and he is unapologetically on record as agreeing that the United States should preemptively strike sovereign nations, including Iran and North Korea. And so um, this is frightening. And, and and Trump, you can tell, I mean, we're reaching some kind of critical mass, although, because Trump is itching for war uh, on a lot of fronts, right? He's picking a trade war, right, with China and other countries. He's clearly getting ready to go to war with Bob Mueller, the special counsel, and his investigation. So you have a war on the domestic front, a war on the economic front, and then you have the scary potential of war with Iran or North Korea, depending on who uh, genius uh, Bolton uh, decides 
you know, in his itchy Dr. Strangelovian uh, mind uh, would be the people to go after. I mean, it is, it is something. I mean, I, I don't know anyone who really knows uh, about how Bolton operates that is that is now sleeping at night. He's a terrifying human being. And again, brought to you by the Republicans. I want to thank you all very much. Um, so the awesome power of the American presidency is in the hands of a deranged um, and, and frightened and increasingly cornered man-child <coughs> who is surrounding himself with other man-children, macho guys, who think macho is about having the biggest missiles. Uh, it, it's, it's unsettling. And we just have to hope we'll, we're going to survive them. I don't know what, I, I, it is frightening. Um, Charles Blow says, you know, he finds himself in the big leagues and this little, little man is feeling, you can see it, feeling the stress and the strain. And since the only thing, no matter what his oath of office was to protect and defend us <laughs> in the country, you know the only thing that Donald Trump has guiding him is the need to protect and to serve numero uno himself. And in attempting to protect himself, as we know, we know the phrase wag the dog, um, in attempting to protect himself, it is, uh, it's scary to imagine, given the power that he has, uh, what he might do. So, I don't know, you know, I don't believe much in prayer, so I'll ask those of you who do to, if there's any hope in that area, Go for it. Um, uh, speaking of prayer, I love. I mean, I got got to end on a better note. I love the uh, the old nun. Who wouldn't love her? Sister Jean is that her name? Um, the ninety eight year old nun um, who is the uh, is the chaplain for the uh, Loyola uh, Chicago um, team that's in the Final Four and. I love that woman. And even though they're playing Michigan, which is my brother's school, he teaches there, and I go to Ann Arbor a lot, and even though I was with Sally Wigan the other day, and she's a U of M uh, you know, alum and went berserk when I said I was rooting for Loyola, um, I, even though I got lots of friends, yeah, I got to root for Loyola and Sister Jean. And the funniest thing I heard was Sister Jean was asked what she gave up for Lent. This is this 98-year-old. And you know what she said? Losing. <laughs> ah! Yes! Well, I mean, the odds are Michigan's going to take them down. But the odds were that everybody else they played was going to take them down. So yeah, you never know. Uh, you never know. Let's hope. Oh, I think that's it. I, I don't know. I know I got like about a minute left. I could meander and, and babble, but I, I uh, think not. Um, I'm just th seeing if I have a... Okay, never mind. Never mind. Um, so, no paucity of news, obviously, and we'll take up a lot of what we didn't get to today and whatever the hell is going to happen between now and then tomorrow okay I'll look forward to it my sister will be joining us I believe I'll double check on that since I think she's traveling this week back to the middle west but um, yeah I'll see you guys tomorrow have a good one Lynn Cullen Live 
Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.